0: Uh, so two things before I jump into this. First of all, it is March Madness, and so I'd just like to talk to Cole Willard, who is our uh, campus pastor down in Aurora, and he also has a podcast with me. Um, he has a really big head and really tight pants. That's Cole, and uh, uh, Villanova lost. That's all I care about. Nova Nation fell apart, Cole. You guys don't care about that. I'm just talking to Cole right now because he's, he's ripping his clothes right now. But anyway, um, we said so those pants, is not hard. but. Anyway, um, <laughs> and Kentucky won, so that's good. But here's the other thing, is that before we jump into this series, I, I wanna just kinda do a promo for next week. Next week, uh, I'm gonna, I have a big announcement uh, uh, for all of you that, that have uh, been a part of Flatness for a while. So back at Christmas, we took up the largest one-time offering we'd ever done for an organization called God Behind Bars. Over $600,000 you all gave for that. Um, right, right after, here's a little promo. Um, right after Easter, we're gonna launch a campus in Lyman Prison. Uh, it'll be our our first prison campus, and it's, it's amazing. And um, last night, uh, uh, Dean Williams, who's the newly, uh, the governor appointed a, a new director for all of our prisons, he was here last night, and uh, we gotta kind of thank him because he's opening the doors for us uh, in really, really good ways. And so I'll, I'll tell you all about that next week, about how you can get in the volunteer team to drive down there and be involved in that. Uh, some of you, you can't go back. To prison. You know who you are. <laughs> There's just rules. That's all I'm saying is you're forgiven. You just can't go. Uh, <clears throat> anyways, hey, hey today, today we're going to wrap up a series we've been calling Muscle Memory. It's kind of a follow-up or a transitional series. Way back in uh, Labor Day, we started working our way through like the, the first recorded and probably the most famous talk that Jesus ever gave. It's become known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's this talk or sermon he gave out on the side of a Mountain, all right, and, and the, we've been looking at, like all the way from Labor Day all the way up to like Thanksgiving, at this, this phrase that Jesus repeated over and over and over, it's a phrase that Jesus says, by definition, this is, whenever you hear the gospel or the good news, this is what he's talking about. He said, here's the good news, it's now possible for ordinary people like you and I um, to live our lives inside of God's kingdom. Not after we die and go someplace else and meet God, in, in this life. In your everyday life, all right? He says, I'm gonna open it up and make it possible for you to have the kind of life, and the phrase that he kind of described uh, it was, you can have a, a with God, remember this? A with God kind of life. It's not like God's somewhere else. He's right here. He's right with you all day long. An intimate, a connected, and this is what Ben talked about last week, a conversational relationship with God. Um, you can talk to God, um, but you can also hear from God like you would any, any friend and you can pursue living your life in a way that, and here's the definition of kingdom, where God wants done is done in my life as it is in heaven, all right? And the reason that what God wants done is being done in my life is because we, we've started wanting the same things. We use a phrase like this, I I had a broken one right? I mean, I wanted the wrong things and then I got to know Jesus better and now we're starting to want the same things. Jesus said this, he says this kingdom, living your life in God's presence, he says the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, it's at at hand, it's within arm's reach. You just have to reach out and and it's, it's available to anybody. And then he said this, now if that's true, and this is what we've been doing all fall in here, right? You might wanna consider, the Bible word is repenting. Uh, here's our word, rethinking how you think about everything. If that's really possible. I've been thinking about God, and this is what comes to mind. I've been thinking about myself, I've been thinking about my wife, my husband, I've been thinking about marriage, sexuality, finances, parenting, all that, and, 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 and now I'm trying to figure out, maybe, maybe I'm holding on to the wrong ideas. And maybe I wanna rethink that about what a good person actually is and what a good life could actually be now that it's possible for ordinary, imperfect people, the Hebrew word we looked at was anawim, throwaway away people the world has no use for, Jesus says just come as you are, don't try to fix your life, just come and live your life with me in my kingdom, and if anything's gonna change, it's gonna happen in the kingdom with God and not out there on our own, and how do I know that? Because we would've already fixed our lives if we could. But it's now possible to live our lives you know, to come and live with him, all right? Then we move on to the next section between Thanksgiving and Christmas where, where we looked at this. Jesus taught us that, um, hey, how about this? Let's not just look at behaviors. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't do this, don't do that. Let's, let's go inside and see what's going on in a person's heart that, or, or even what happened you know, in your past that's kind of upstream in your life and it's flowed down and then it ends up murdering people. Or, or blowing up your marriage, right? Like he'd say, like, let's, not, let's not just talk about are you allowed to murder people? Let's look at all the anger and contempt that leads to that, right? Or how about this? Jesus taught us that um, a lot of us are looking for really good things in the wrong place. Can we look at that as opposed to passing more rules about who you can have sex with and who you can't? Let's go back up, up here about what are you really looking for? Or how about this, Gee, Jesus, and this is a, a, good, a good couple of weeks, it really brought some freedoms to people, how about this, let's just look at what God had in mind for marriage as opposed to arguing with each other about the rules of when you can get divorced. That just divides us, right? Jesus taught us, how about this, when we talk to one another, let's let your yes actually be yes, you have some integrity, be honest with one another instead of trying to manipulate people with, with your words. And here's a good one, when, when Jesus says, listen, how about this, when somebody does something against you, rather than just doing what you always do, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, why don't you just look under the surface and see maybe there's a wiser decision this time. I mean, maybe you have to do, go eye for eye, but not every time. And maybe you should look at what's really, really going on. And then we came back from Christmas and we saw how all of this, I gotta rethink how I think about everything, how that applies to what it means to be a man, a husband, a father, a brother, a boyfriend, a leader, a a, a good friend, according to God, not culture. According to God, the one who said, this is what I had in mind when I designed men. And so over those seven weeks of that, that operator's manual series, we saw both men and women make some major decisions based on like a new, better definition and vision for who they are, who they were meant to be, and the purpose of their life. And then they, they kinda drew a line, maybe a thin red line, they stepped across that, some of that was some of us, right? And we said, I need to put a new strategy in, in, in place so I can learn and train and become all that God has meant for me to be so I can take better care of all those that God has entrusted to me in my kingdom, in my garden. I, I, wanna, I, I, wanna, I, I wanna fight for him which brought us to this, this muscle memory series, which we started about a month ago with this, this big reality check that goes like this. When, whenever you're trying to do something new in your life, and if I'm learning a new skill or a new hobby, I wanna learn to play the piano, I wanna learn to play baseball, whatever that is, or, or on bigger things. I wanna learn to live my life different. I wanna, I wanna do marriage different. I wanna parent my children different. I wanna be a different kind of friend in a better way. Here's the aha moment, is that none of that comes fast. Nobody's life gets changed by Tuesday, right? It doesn't come fast, it's never easy, at least important things, and it doesn't happen by accident. I accidentally have a good marriage. No one has ever said, all right? It takes, it takes training. And so we've been looking at these three circles, which kind of talk about how we go into training. We have to learn new things, eliminate some stuff, and practice. We have to learn new ideas and ways of doing things. And then we have to look at the things that are holding us back and get those things out, because they keep trying to pull us back to the old life. And then there is no shortcut, right? You gotta practice, 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 fail, get up, practice, practice, practice. You just keep on going. Now a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I used as an example about what it looks like to, to, to keep on learning new things and practicing. I used Nolan Arenado as an example of that. And last week Ben, um, he, he, he kind of spoiled the fun, and gave an announcement. Um, but here, here's, the, uh, here's the example is that, you know, if you practice long enough, you can make what just feels like an impossible throw from third base to first place. If you do it enough times, it just looks effortless and it is not effortless. All right. It's just if you do it enough, it just it just it just looks easy with enough practice. All right, uh, and you don't have to think about it anymore. You just you just catch the ball and you, and, and you throw the ball perfectly all the way across the, the diamond. Now now here's the thing about this. All right, there's a there's a person that works for the Rockies uh, who's here and, and he was down at spring training and he showed Nolan uh, he showed him my sermon and that's Hi, hey Nolan, uh, uh, watching me. And so anyway, then Nolan sent me a video on Instagram and like we're. BFFs now, and it's just, and we're tight, so, uh, so Nolan, if you're watching, I just wanna say, uh, call me, and, uh, you know, it's opening day, and uh, we'll do lunch, and uh, I'm kind of a big deal now, and uh, um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I've never met him in my life, anyway, uh, but, but I'd like to, Nolan, anyway, um, I'm just being honest, and am being transparent, um, you're awesome, um, <laughs> So I never met him, but I did, I, did, I have a new friend uh, I got to hang out with a couple weeks ago. Uh, his name's Barrett Fawbush. I brought him out. He was on the podcast. And he's this young preacher uh, that I met through a mutual friend. Um, he, he, he's a, he, he preaches in this little bitty church, he's 32 years old. He preaches in this little tiny church back in Southern Indiana, like 65 people there on a, on a Sunday. He went to the same Bible college my parents went to, Scott Nickel went to, um, and he loves Jesus, and, and he's a really, really, really good teacher. So that's what he's passionate about, but he's probably most known in the world as being one of, if not the number one handgun instructors, uh, defensive handgun instructors. He teaches military, he teaches police, he teaches defensive uh, training. Now, I just said handgun, so let me just save myself a bunch of emails, because it's me, all right? Um, uh, it's like, whenever, whenever I'm, gonna use, I'm gonna use a gun, I'm not, I don't have one, all right? <laughs> Oh no, uh, um, a little red dot's gonna appear somewhere, I'm just afraid. Um, Um, Here's here's why I don't want you to to freak out about me using a gun as an illustration. Uh, All the way through the Bible, there's a metaphor that's used over and over about hitting a target. Right? Um, it's like, fix your eyes on a target, or uh, an archery term. Not, the word sin is an archery term. I aimed my life at the bullseye and I fell short. Hamatia is the Greek word there. It's sin, I aimed my life. That's what we talked about in the reverse engineering. I gotta, I gotta aim my life at a bullseye, and if I miss it, it's not the bullseye's fault. I gotta correct you know, my, my, my aim, all right? So when I'm using a gun illustration, here, that's all I'm talking about. I'm talking about shooting a target, a little metal one in the woods. That's all I'm talking about, Right. So, I'll still get 100 emails. Anyway, um, so, so Barrett came out, and he was on the podcast, and then we went up to the mountains, and, and we spent some time, he's a, he's a great trainer, and, and what we covered in learning how to, how to shoot a handgun at a little metal target, here's what the aha moment was for me. Um, the same principles apply to every, other area of my life. Take a look at this.
1: We're going to go through a process, okay? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get sights. Think to yourself, I found my sights.
0: Come the my sights.
1: Put, place your trigger finger upon the trigger. Yeah. Find the wall. Tell me you need to find the wall. There. Press nice and slow. Recover by finding the sights again and resetting the trigger. Recover, reset, press. Recover, reset, press. Recover, reset, press. Recover, reset, Recover, reset, Recover, reset, press. Recover, reset. Uh, you pressed before I said it. Sorry. Recover, reset, press. Now. That's great. That, wait a minute. We had a process yes. that we started to help ourselves and to rep ourselves with over and over again. And sooner or later, it doesn't go prep, press, Recover, reset. It just goes prep, press, recover, reset. But then it becomes this one word in my head that says now, 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 now. And then sooner or later, if I were to ever get into a self-defense scenario, it's gonna come out, and I, uh, I'm I'm ready for my my close-up. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Because now I've trained for the show, and now I have I have not fallen temptation to adultery. Right. I had one opportunity that was presented in my life that I would not fall into temptation to adultery. And I've been practicing for it, and I've been repping for it, and I've been going through the process about how to love my wife and how to think through the process, all of that. And then it becomes easier. It becomes something that's natural. And now I'm not the type of person that can't pick up any handgun and make it work. Right. I'm now the type of person that I don't have to worry about uh, cheating on my wife, but I'm still going to protect myself from it. Right. So if you're not practicing, this is a deteriorating skill, by the way. If you've yes. been out of practice for a little while, mm-hmm. if you've taken your mind off of Jesus, that's okay. Come back to him. But we may, you may not be the pastor <laughs> of that church that you that you that you fell from. Yeah. You may you may be the cook. Of uh, a prison ministry, but that's okay. We'll just build you back up. Right. Right? That's exactly right. You effort. need to be, you need, that this, getting good at this is just like following Jesus. It's an everyday, I'm going to put a considerable amount of effort into my day. Jiu jitsu now is to me what handgun training used to be. I know how to do it, I know everything that there is to know. I'm, I think I do. Sure. And I'm, I, I've yet to find somebody who can show me a lot. Right that at this level now, now I've been built up and so many people have poured into me, which makes it so much easier for me to pour into you, right? Yeah. Because uh, you learn these things that work with people and you just help them along the way.
0: Yeah, I'd like to point out a couple things. I don't know if you're listening closely, but uh, Barrett shot and it the didn't clang. I hit every time. I just, <laughs> Barrett, if you're listening... I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, um, <laughs> no, uh, he's amazing. But um, here's the, the other thing. He said, uh, this is a deteriorating skill. Everything important is, right? There's no point in your life where you go, okay, I think I figured out marriage, I don't have to pay attention to it anymore. You gotta get up every day and go, I gotta work it, I gotta work it, I gotta work it, I gotta work it. The other thing he said was this, he says, uh, he kept coming back to this all weekend long, he kept saying, hey Jim, you have to have a process. You have to have a process. We would call it a strategy, a, a process that that you that you repeat over and over and over and over and over again, so that eventually it's no longer like five steps. It's just one word: now, 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 now. And we call it muscle memory, but muscles don't have memory, right? They just do what they're told. The muscle that we've retrained is our mind. What do you mean? We we we're rethinking things. I'm I'm rethinking who I am and why I'm here and what I need to do different in my life. And all that makes sense, right? When it comes to aiming at a target or or aiming at having a good marriage or a good family or or a good life. So here's the question. And my questions throughout the day, all right, are gonna get increasingly intrusive. So you might wanna leave now, That's that's a warning, okay? Here's my question if all that makes sense. It goes like this. Then why isn't it happening? This thing you say you want. Right? What, what is it that's keeping that good thing that you want for your life, that God says he wants for your life? Um, how about this, what's your roadblock? What's blocking whatever that, you want that good thing, God wants you to have that good thing, but you can't, you can't have it, or you'd already have it. right? And if you say nothing, not, nothing's really blocking me, that's not true, because if nothing was blocking you, you would already have what you say that you want. Right, so, that, so, so something is blocking it. So what's the problem? That, that my life is not what I said I wanted it to be. Well, here's the five steps that Barrett gave me, and, and what you're gonna find is they apply not just to shooting, but, but, but to every area of life. Like, he asked this, so Jim, first thing, get your sight. Are my sights on the target? And we, this, is a, this is an illustration I used a couple years ago when we were talking about aiming our lives. Bullets don't lie, they just go where they're told. You can get mad at the target, but nobody move a target. You have to make corrections way up here, okay? So you have to go, all right, I gotta, what am I aiming at? Followed by the next four steps. I gotta prep. I gotta prep. You gotta pull that back to the wall. I'm ready to go at any moment. I gotta do preparation, and then you have to press. You have to do something. It was a metaphor we use for all areas of life. Dude, pull the trigger, right? Do something, act. Right, and then once you do that, you have gotta go, okay, now, I gotta reset. I gotta get ready to do this all again because another attack is, is coming. And then you recover. I go back to step number one. I gotta get my sights back on. And if you get really creative, those five steps kinda relate to our three circles. Like, like you gotta sight, all right? You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta learn new things, all right? So this is the goal. This is my target. This used to be my target. I was aiming my life and my marriage and my whatever that is at that. I've now, I'm on, a, I'm on the right target. I wanna be connected to God. That's the reward I'm going for, right? I just want to live connected to God. And then the next four, you have prep, press, and reset, and recover. That would be under, you gotta practice. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. So we got learn and we have practice. The question would be, in that those three circles, we're missing one, and that is eliminate. What I need to eliminate and in those five, five steps, um, probably what needs to be like, addressed and eliminated in your life, it becomes obvious in number one. Are my sights on not just any target, because we're all aiming at something, am I aiming my life at the right target? And if the answer comes back no, then you go all the way down to number five, and if anything went wrong in that, in that process, am I willing to learn something new? And then recover and start practicing this new Way. And so this is what Jesus has been teaching us, exactly the same thing over the last several months, when it comes to, you can experience a life that's defined by a with God, connected to life, to God kind of life, intimacy with God. Like we talked about prayer last week. He says here's a better way, a better process, right, to, to, to pray when it comes to speaking to and hearing from God. And it's much better than that, every few months I throw up a 911 call to God and say, can you jump in my mess, thanks, I'll call you next time which is a lot of our prayer life, let's just be honest. How about, how about this? Why don't we just have an ongoing conversation with God all day long, so that when anything happens, our daily muscle memory just kicks in and we just keep on going. And then a couple weeks ago, we looked at giving money to people in need Um, that's a good thing to, that's a good process, not to draw attention to ourselves because with enough repetitions, with enough practice, there's a chance that we could actually become a generous kind of person and then we just walk around our life and we just automatically see and identify and get involved in, God cares about that, I need to get involved with that because it's the kind of person I am, it's just what I do. So pray like this, give like this until it's just who you are and what you do. So what might get in the way of that? I say I wanna be a a connected to God person. I say I wanna be a generous person. This is what Ben unpacked with us last week. Here's kind of what messes everything up. A lot of us religious people, we do good things or righteous things or religious things, but we do them in order to manipulate other people or to try to manipulate God. We looked at that really, really hard last week, and so if you weren't here last week, get online and listen to Ben teach through that, but let's say you look at that and go, that's not me, that's not what's blocking me. I, I don't care what people think about me. I really, I really don't. So what else might get in the way of us experiencing this reward of, I wanna live my life connected to God? So last week we looked at this, the Lord's Prayer. And so if you grew up connected to any faith or, or you got drug off to catechism or whatever, you had to memorize this thing, all right? And so <laughs> look at all the Catholics go, mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, so, um, so, um, uh, so you, you memorize this, this model prayer. Jesus says, so here's how to pray. Here's a, here's a good process in learning how to pray. And so at the end of that, though, come two sentences, right where Ben left off last week, that when, when we read them, they're gonna, you're gonna look at them and go, that, that seems out of place. And it feels kind of confusing, and if you really analyze it, which is what we're gonna do, it feels kind of scary. So at the very end, this is how Jesus ends the Lord's Prayer, all right? He says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the the evil one. Now here's the next two sentences that kind of of freak me out a little bit. Jesus is still talking, he says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And if you just read that at face value, it feels like a threat, right? It's like Jesus going, oh here's the deal, folks, all right? If you'll forgive people, then God will forgive you. But if you won't forgive you know, what she did to you, there's no way God's gonna forgive you. All bets are off, go to hell, do not pass go. Right, that, and, and that just and that makes it, that, I'll be honest, that's how a lot of us were raised. Right, um, uh, so I am forgiven by God in direct proportion to how my, my performance is in my spiritual life and my willingness to forgive other people. Which is, again, usually that was taught to us by people who, who use God's word to manipulate us, right? You better watch out, you better not pout, you better not cry, you know the song. Uh, um, um, why, why, you better do that or God won't love you. That's, that's, a, lot, that's a lot of weight. Honestly, let me tell you how I, was, I grew up. See, I believe Jesus is coming back because he said he was, all right? I don't know when it's gonna happen, but here's, here's how I grew up. I was convinced that if Jesus happened to come back while I was in a rated R movie, um, I, was, I was going to hell. I, I'm telling my first rated R movie was Jaws. I'm like, I don't know what was scarier, the shark or Jesus. I didn't know, because either way, I'm gonna get eaten alive, right? So, uh, so uh, but, but usually it's like you, you, you better, you better do it the right way or God won't forgive you, right? That's, that's a lot of pressure as a kid, but a lot of us are still carrying that as adults. And there's no shortage of people with a finger in our chest going, how can you call yourself a Christian, right? How can you expect God to forgive you when you're, you're carrying that around? Jesus is get mad or sad or whatever that is. But it can't mean that. And I, I believe most of my life, that's what I thought it meant. It can't mean that. Because one of the main themes from Jesus and the entire New Testament, but especially when Jesus says, I'll open up the kingdom to you, I've done everything necessary to bring you into my kingdom, come as you are, one of the main things is we are saved, forgiven, whatever you wanna call it, connected back to God, by grace, alone. Right, it's a free gift that he gives us. And we don't earn our way into heaven by works. Well, you performed, you've forgiven enough people, now God will forgive you. No, no, we are saved. Listen to this, this is gonna pop some of your little religious bubbles, all right? The moment you put some amount of faith in Jesus, and I don't know how much it takes, that's between you and God. At that moment, you are as saved as you're ever gonna be, and you're as forgiven as you're ever gonna need to be forgiven. We don't become more saved, depending on if we read the Bible enough. We don't become more forgiven based on God watching Us to say, okay, I'll forgive you a little bit more because you were, no, no. Grace covers everything. It's a great deal, all right? So what does Jesus mean in in this really confusing thing? So a a few months ago, I I, I, I gave you a, a, a phrase that was really, really important to me as I began to study the Bible, especially in order to teach it. Do you remember this? Context is king, it's everything. Because we all have this ability to open up a Bible and find a verse and pull it out of context and throw it at people and make it mean anything we want. We've all been beat up by the Bible, all right? But, but, but one of them, in context, let's look at this in context. In context, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' main themes is, I didn't come to give you more rules. I didn't come to give you more laws. I didn't come to give you more threats or conditions for you to become a good person. No, here's all I'm doing in this talk. I wanna contrast two different ways that people try to be good. Some people just measure outside behaviors. Did you murder? Did you commit adultery? Did you get a divorce the right way? All all that kind of stuff. Listen, that says you're good or you're not good. Here's what I'd like to do, Jesus says. I'd like to go inside and look at your heart and go upstream and see what is flowing down in your life that ended up in that, that just seems better than just looking at the activities. So what if, now anytime I say what if, you you can stop listening if you want. Because I might be wrong. I don't think I'm wrong, or I wouldn't teach this, but I might be wrong. And here's why I can say that with some assurance. I've talked to some of you all, and I've heard what your views are, and I know you're wrong. (laughs) I'm just being honest. Uh, So um, there's a chance I'm not right on this. I think I am. All right, but, but if you don't like this, then throw it out and just move on, all right? So, but what, <laughs> that's assuring, isn't it? Our teacher's not sure. Uh, um, what if, in context, Jesus is not explaining what will happen to your forgiveness from God if you refuse to forgive other people? But what if, instead, Jesus is explaining why you keep on trying to experience God's presence and his grace and his love and his forgiveness in your life and something's blocking it? Right, not God's connection in your direction, but you don't even feel God in your life, right? And what if, again, I might be, if this doesn't apply to you, just brush it off, but what if the reason that you can't experience God's grace and love and forgiveness is not because it's not there, it's because of, of your inability or your unwillingness to give grace and give love and give forgiveness to people who have sinned against you. Right, And some of us are going, I don't like this talk. I don't know where this is, is going. What, what if, go with me on this. What if Jesus is not talking about whether or not you're saved or forgiven? You are. Don't worry about that anymore, okay? But what if what Jesus is talking about is why you don't or you can't live a life of connection to God? What if the roadblock, here it is, what if the roadblock that keeps you from going in your connection to God is that you're holding on to something? That if you did that, you sure hope God would forgive you for but there's no way you're gonna forgive somebody else for doing that to you. And the room goes quiet. Because we're not talking hypothetical anymore, are we? We all have stuff. Now let me just make something really clear. God's love for you and your salvation and whether you're going to heaven or not, whether you're forgiven, that's not at stake. It's not, it, we don't even have to talk about that, all right? But you living and experiencing a life of joy and peace and grace and wholeness, that is at stake. And it's not because God has doing something wrong or God is withholding something from you. It's because you, I keep saying you, we, I, this is my story, all right? I won't even consider offering grace and forgiveness to somebody else. It may be a person that wronged you. is maybe a person that goes, you know, they owe me. And they need to make it right. And I know God, I know God forgave, forgave them, but I'm not, I can't forgive them. Here's the big one. I know God forgave me. I just can't forgive myself. Anybody? And, and, and my inability or my unwillingness to forgive that person or my inability or my unwillingness to forgive myself, both are a roadblock, it gets in the way of you and God. Here's the most blunt way that I can can talk about this. Um, You're saved and going to heaven after you die, life's just gonna feel like hell till you get there. Unless we deal with this, right? Now, anytime I I teach on something like, especially forgiveness, here's what I know is happening right now to everybody listening to my voice, all right, Um, you're having imaginary conversations in your head with me, with God, uh, with this, uh, this person that you have in mind, and he'd go something like this. I, I hate this talk. I, I have, I, Pastor Jim, I don't, I don't see how you could expect me to forgive so and so. Jim, you, you don't know what they did to me. You don't, you don't, know, you don't know my story. You don't, you, you don't, listen, I'm angry, and they, they did that, and they need to make it right, and they need to pay for what they did. So don't expect me to forgive. Let me just clear something up, write this down. I have no expectations of you whatsoever. Not my job. Please don't have any of me. I'll just let you down, all right? Um, But I think I can speak for all of us. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do to us what we do to others, right? Even though maybe he ought to. So here's what I want you to do, consider, um, and then decide, rethink, whatever you wanna call it, your, kind of your position on whether I should even look at forgiveness for a person I'm thinking about. I wanna give you four statements. I don't know who came up with them. I came up with some of them. I don't know who came up with the rest of them, so after today, they're all mine. That's how pastors do it. Um, so how about this? <laughs> Non-forgiveness, I won't forgive, has no effect on the object or person that has wronged you. I'll show you, I won't forgive you. Here's a news alert. They don't care. Right, you forgiving, you, you unwilling to forgive them for what they did, it doesn't hurt them, it doesn't punish them, it doesn't do anything. You know, I'll be honest with you, they've moved on. Right, the only person getting hurt right now is, is you. Or how about this one, non-forgiveness is like you drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. And that's philosophy there, folks, right? <laughs> that's deep, right? But it's like, I never thought of it like that. Maybe I need to... Rethink it, all right, or how about this? Non-forgiveness, and this describes big chunks of my life. Non-forgiveness is a prison cell that locks you in and locks joy and peace out. Right, that's, that's our story. Non-forgiveness, I got this from Dallas Willard, is like a festering sore, but if you ever had a festering sore, it doesn't stay there, it spreads, it infects the entire body. Now, nobody wants to look in the mirror or, or, or describe their life and say, the life I really want to experience is described with words like, I don't know, uh, ineffective, poisonous, prison, or festering. But it is what a lot of us are holding on to and experiencing and locked up in, right? Now, we're gonna move on. It's interesting that the next part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus talks about, he moves into the concept of fasting. This feels like a big change of subject. We're talking about forgiveness, and then he goes, let's talk about fasting. And you're like, whoa, that was a right turn, right? Um, I thought it was, a, I've always read it as a change of subject. I don't think it is now. I think it's a continuation of a, of a thought, because that's what the whole sermon is. So look at this. This is Matthew chapter six. Free Bible's in the back on your way out. It says this. Now when you fast, And we'll talk about what that is. Do not look somber, like all sad, all right? Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they just figure their faces to show people they're fasting. Look at me, all right? I tell you the truth, they receive their reward in full. But when you fast, Put oil on your head, so in the Middle East, they they didn't take baths every day, but they would take oil or lotion and that's how they would kind of wash with. Wash your face, right, why? So that it won't be obvious to people that you're fasting, but only to your father who's unseen and then your father who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. Now let me talk about fasting, okay? Because it's like, that's one of those things you've always heard about, but like, I, I don't get that. People can fast for a lot of different reasons. People fast for physical reasons. I like to lose weight and maybe do a cleanse. Whatever, all right? Um, or um, some people fast for spiritual reasons, all right? Meaning I'm gonna not do that for a while in order to, to, to focus on something else. Some people, uh, they'll do a spiritual, they'll, they'll fast on food because when they, when they disrupt the normal like, like functions of their body, somehow it, it just kind of puts them in a space that they can hear from God better. All right, so some people do that. But Jesus warns, just like he does with the other stuff, um, if you're fasting and you're saying it's for spiritual reasons, but like prayer or giving, the reason you're doing it is actually to manipulate people. Oh, oh, she's so spiritual and thin. You know, uh, or, um, or here's, or, or maybe you're trying to manipulate God. Except when you're trying to fast and manipulate God, they don't call it fasting, it's a hunger strike, right? And we've done that before. I'll show you God, I won't eat. And God's like, that's going to suck. Uh, he probably didn't say that, that's me. Um, but either way, there's an email. Uh, you, you, you're, you're missing the point, okay? It's probably the, one of the best definitions, and maybe take a picture, this is how we take notes here. Uh, one of the best definitions of fasting I've ever heard goes like this. I'm gonna set aside something, and that's whatever it is, and you're gonna set it aside either temporarily for a day or two or a week or two, whatever, or maybe permanently. I'm I'm gonna take that out of my life forever. Why would you do that? In, In order to take hold of something better. So go back a few weeks ago, we talked about this. Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment in the whole Bible? And he said, love the Lord your God, he quotes Moses, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then we made a kind of a metaphor out of that, that heart and soul, mind, strength are king, and then like lover, passion, and then magi or wisdom, and then uh, strength or warrior is, is sage. Now that, now that, there's a chain of command in there and depending on who's giving the orders, your life is, looks very, very different. So if, if the commands are coming from God that through, through your mind and through your heart, and then they're telling your body what to do, that's, that's a good thing. But sometimes your body is giving commands up up the chain of command, telling you this is what you ought to believe. So sometimes people will fast or abstain from food or drink or certain habits or activities, all right, um, temporarily or permanently, just to make sure that the, 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 the voices and the messages and the commands that are running my life are coming from the right source, they're coming from above and not below, right? Or, or, or how about this, so, sometimes we'll, we'll set something aside to make sure it's in the right spot. Like, we all have a list of things in our life where um, we, we, we said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, it's no big deal. And it's, it's harmless, or it's, it, it's neutral, all right? And so then we, we, we start bringing those things into our life, we start eating some stuff, or drinking some stuff, or smoking some stuff, or looking at certain websites, and we thought, oh, okay, it's, it's no big deal. And let's be honest, you can't remember the last time you went 24 hours without it. And it's, it's running your life, right? And so every once in a while, and it, may not, it may be a bad thing, it may be a thing that you think is harmless. You set it aside to go, I just wanna make sure that it's, it's, not, it's not running my life, right? I'm running it. A guy named Paul, he, he writes this, and he must have had some connection to athletics. He, he wrote the last like, like fourth of the Bible. He says this, he says, I, I discipline my body, my physical body, and I keep it under control. And uh, another version, like the King James Version says, I, I, I pound my body and make it obey. Right, I think that's interesting. I discipline my body and keep it under control. Why? Lest after preaching to others about whatever is going on, I myself should be disqualified. So fa- fasting tells the body, and we have to do this every once in a while just to get clear, right? Hey, you work for me, I don't work for you. Right? I, I, my, my emotions, my thoughts, my feelings, my drives, my attractions, my desires, they're not necessarily a bad thing, I just wanna remind them, I run you, You don't run me, right? And again, we we do that all the time with different habits, um, uh, with with, with different things that got into our life and they were pretty innocent and we all have a list of those things. I'm just gonna throw it out there. You might wanna set it aside just to see what what kind of role it has in in our life. Okay, so um, let's move on to uh, to the the next. All right, so we have food, we have alcohol, we have thoughts, we have things. I gotta do this. Here's what I wanna look at. Um, What if... Non-forgiveness is kind of the same thing, right? And go with me on this, all right? I'm, I'm not taking away from anything that happened to you, all right, and don't try to take mine away. We all have our stories, and they're, they're horrible. But, but what if, and I might be wrong on this, what if I don't want to forgive or I'm not willing to forgive works the same way? and it takes over our life. What, what if, how about this, what if our addiction, and that's what it is for me, what if our addiction to anger and bitterness and holding on to the past actually is blocking us, right, from experiencing what God wants us to experience? How do you know? And then how do you break it? How do you break the habit? So that's what I wanna do. So we've hit this several times over the last several months. Um, whenever God wants to teach us something, we have to make sure that we're on the same page of what he's talking about, all right? Working off the same, same kind of um, definition. So like love, okay? Um, when, I, when, I, when I talk about love, love by definition has little to do with how you feel or your emotions. Although there's nothing in our culture that says different. Every song, every movie, every TV show, oh, it's how you feel, follow your heart. Listen, if, you follow, if I followed my heart, I'd be in prison. It's it's. Creepy in there sometimes, all right, right? So, so, all right, but love didn't have to do with that. All right, love, love is actually this. Love is a choice, it's a decision of the will in a certain direction in order to provide and protect what has been entrusted to me, right? Now, now follow me with this, okay? God commands you to love. Everyone, love your, love your wife. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Love your neighbor, right? Love your enemy. But here's an aha moment. You can't command anybody to feel anything. I can't. Be happy. Yes, sir. No. You can't command emotions. But by definition, that's not what love is. Love is an act of the will decision. I, I, I'm gonna do something. My choice. I, I, all right, I love you, here's what I mean by that. I will care for what God has entrusted me to take care of for him, and that's you. I choose to point my will towards someone. I choose to not point it at anything else or go, go away from you, ready, in spite of how I feel. That's what we promised at our wedding. Remember? That's what, when you, some of you are gonna get married, that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna stand in front of a church or in the woods or whatever, I don't know how you do it, but. Um, you're gonna look at another person and go, hey listen, I can do anything with my life. Here's my choice. I choose you for better or worse, for richer or for poorer. When you're sick and when you're healthy, when I feel like it and when I don't, I, I'm, here's my promise, I'll come home to you. I choose to stay with you and I choose to not go anywhere else. Right? Because feelings change. What, but what if forgiveness is the same What if forgiveness, is like love, is, isn't a feeling? What if forgiveness is a, is a choice to lay down one thing? What am I gonna lay down? Anger and bitterness. I, gotta, I, need, I need you to pay me back. Time out. Think of the thing that happened to you. Is there anything anybody could do to make it okay? On the big one. Is there, what's been taken from you? Is there anything anybody could do and give you something else and going, okay, we're good, doesn't even matter anymore? It's ridiculous, right? I'm gonna make a choice to lay something down. Why would you do that? In order to pick up and experience something better. I've been locked up, I'd like to pick up some freedom. I'd like to maybe experience some joy and some peace. So let's just talk about forgiveness, what it is and isn't. Forgiveness means you don't owe me anything all right? Uh, I I don't need anything from you. I lived my whole life thinking I needed you to do something for me to be okay. But here's my aha moment. I'm in control of my life. I choose to cancel your debt. I am not saying that what you did doesn't matter. It does. I'm not saying that, uh, let's just forget about it. ever, Ever heard that? Forgive and forget. Can anybody do that? I don't even remember getting cheated on. I don't remember getting molested. I don't remember, no, no, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm not saying I don't even remember it. What I'm saying is I have choices to make in my life and I'm laying something down. I'm fasting from non-forgiveness and bitterness. I'm laying it down so I can finally be free and understand and experience some of the grace that God has given to me. It's about time. Right? So, so let me end with this. It's a challenge and the only application, the aha moment to go home with is this. Think about it, all right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of one thing, it's the thing you've been thinking about for the last 20 minutes or so, that you would say, I know, I know what I want and I know what's good and I know what God wants for my life. I want you to pick out one thing in your life that is blocking the way for you being connected to God. And how about this? Or blocking the relationship that you have with the most important person in your life, there's a wall. It might be your spouse, it might be your boyfriend, your girlfriend, it might be your parents, it might be your kids, it might be a friend that you're at odds with right now. Here's what I have found. When things are all screwed up between me and Robin, things are jacked up between me and God, too. Right, that's just true, right? It just tends to shut down everything. That's good, right? God says he wants it. I say that's what I want for me or I want for us, all right? This thing says road closed. You, other people can have it, you can't. All right now, you got it in your head? What's blocking your connection, all right? Now, what's one physical thing that you could do and fast from, it's not a bad thing, right? Like, just pick out one thing. A lot of our Catholic friends right now, they're in Lent. They've picked out one thing between here and Easter to say, I'm gonna lay that aside for something else, all right? So what's one physical thing you could fast from, food, drink, activity, whatever that is, so that whenever that old muscle memory comes up, going, I do that all the time. I eat that, I drink that, I watch TV, I do all that. It's not a bad thing, it's what I always do, but I wanna disrupt my life this week, all right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, instead of going to what I always go to, I'm gonna stop and go, I'm gonna use that as a reminder to think about this. Does that make sense? They don't have to be connected at all. I'm, I'm gonna not eat Brussels sprouts for Jesus. Come on, all right, all right? <laughs> Which I, I understand, but, um, uh, so I hear this, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not eating, I was gonna say Starbucks, but people would rebel. Um, I'm, I'm gonna give up this. I'm not gonna watch TV. Uh, instead, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray through my marriage, or my, or my son and I's relationship, or, and then I wanna maybe think about doing something different this time, and bro- broccoli reminded me of that, right? Because um, I don't wanna be disconnect, disconnected from God, or my wife, or my kids. And I'd like to pick up something better. Now, here's the thing, all right? And then we're gonna sing a song, get out of here. You're gonna, some of you are gonna go home and try this, and it's gonna be like every other new thing you've ever tried. You're gonna be horrible at it, right? The first time you play piano, it's like, ugh, people left the house, right? Um, uh, the first time you, you, you struck out, the first time you're at battle, right? Um, listen, when it comes to forgiving people that you've never even contemplated forgiving, you're not gonna be very good at it. You're, you're gonna strike out you're gonna get hit with a pitch, Uh, you're gonna wanna crawl off the field, pick up your ball and go home and say, see, I should never even have thought about this. Um, And there will be no shortage of people with their finger in your chest telling you, yeah, you can never do that, right? You're gonna make mistakes and you have to do it over and over and over and over again. But the reward on the other end that Jesus promises, it's not reconnection to another person. You're not in charge of that. I forgave them, they didn't come in my direction, I know. They have their own stuff. The only promise you get is reconnection to God, and he'll walk through everything with you, whether they come back or not. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm done. We're gonna sing one song. It's a song we taught two weeks ago, and then we did it again last week, and we're gonna do it again this week. I heard this song the first time on Highway 7, where Jesus lives. It's where he speaks to me, right there by come and go. But anyway, um, and the title of the song is Good Grace, and I remember driving down that road going, if grace is that good, and that much is available, then maybe I can make some changes in my life. So we're gonna sing that. Sing along with us if you want. Stay seated and think about your, what, what do I need, what could I let go of? Because I've got to think about this this week and just see where it goes, okay? Let's stand up, pray, and we get out here. So God, um, Again, the room goes really, really silent. I think all of our campuses is the same way because none of us are thinking about a hypothetical. Some people probably, you know, we all have stuff in our life that we've held on to um, and maybe deservedly so. But a, a time comes when we say, if I, if I continue to hold on to this or allow it to own me, my life is, is in prison and locked up and I want something better. So, so Jesus, if you'll do this with me, a with God kind of th- week, right? I'm gonna spend some time this week looking at this thing, asking what good thing you want me to have, and then I want a process. I want to practice trying to do it over and over and over, and I won't be very good at it, and I will fail, but there's so much good grace available that if you'll stick with me, Jesus, all things really are possible, and I believe that. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.